0: Hello and welcome to the official podcast of the Australian Securities and Investments Commission. ASIC's case against Bradley Silver, a former director of a property development company who defrauded his clients of $4.7 million, has come to a close. Mr Silver pleaded guilty to fraud and dishonestly using his position and today, the 6th of September 2019, has been sentenced to eight years imprisonment with a non-parole period of two and a half years to serve. ASIC's Louise Tapsall spoke with two witnesses who helped build ASIC's case against Mr Silver, a developer who promised them incredibly high investment returns and convinced them to dig into their savings or borrow against their homes. Louise also speaks with ASIC Enforcement Senior Manager, Khan Finney. Kahn's team has been dedicated to see an outcome in ASIC's case against Bradley Silver. They discuss what the ASIC investigation involved. But first up, here is Louise with Mark Morley, a witness for ASIC who was defrauded of $400,000 by Bradley Silver.
1: Hello? Hello, is this Mark? Mark Morley agreed to chat with me a few weeks out of the sentencing decision against Bradley Silver. Mark was one of ASIC's key witnesses in the investigation and court action against Mr Silver who trusted him with over $300,000 when convinced to invest in a property development company called Capital Growth International Club. Capital Growth and the property scheme, All About Property Development, collapsed in 2011, owing investors $9 million. Many of the investors were pensioners and were approached by either friends or word of mouth or were even cold-called in a telemarketing blitz. They were convinced to borrow against their homes and were told that their money would be used to develop property in Tasmania. Instead, Bradley Silver used the money paid by investors to pay back interest owned to other investors made payments to his employees, withdrew the funds as cash and transferred the funds to personal bank accounts. To keep his investors from asking too many questions, Mr Silver also created false documents, such as statements, to make his clients think their money was being properly invested. Mark, like many involved in this case, was introduced to the investment scheme by a friend.
2: I asked her how her investment was going. She said, good, and she'd regularly got payments for each month for the last eight months when she was invested. So I thought because of her um, gift and that, if it was kosher or whatever or good, um, she would have picked up on it. So that's when I decided to go with it.
1: Yeah, and what kind of returns were you promised?
2: Uh, 20% return. I was actually, um, they had a, a printed page that showed different returns from 25% down to about 8%, I think, depending on the time frame when you got involved.
1: Mark says when he first met Bradley Silver and his father Tony Silver... He thought Bradley was young. But he felt comfortable that they had met at Bradley's offices, a decked-out office on the 20th floor of a building in Surfers Paradise, and that Bradley and his father were working together. To keep Mark happy and to keep him investing, Bradley would visit Mark.
2: Bradley calling to my uh, work and on his own um, and meet me in, in the store... Um, I think it was a couple, maybe a couple of times. It was definitely once, but I think it was a couple of times.
1: Mark is just one of around 38 witnesses who helped bring together ASIC's case against Bradley Silver. Michelle Watson is the daughter of Kevin Marne, a man who was convinced to take out a $300,000 loan to invest with Bradley Silver.
3: Yeah, he would have to sell his home um, that um, it was, yeah, that he'd been frauded out of everything and that he'd lost it all. And, um, and, that, yeah, and he was then asking um, about ways and trying to talk about ways that he would be able to, to continue to live.
1: Kevin Mann heard about Bradley Silver's company, Capital Growth International Club, via his brother. Bradley and Kevin's brother had visited properties in Ipswich together. Kevin's brother was investing in Bradley's company and spoke to Kevin about the returns the company was promising. When Michelle was first told by her father that he would be investing with Bradley, she was concerned. However, she didn't question him too much, as her father had run his own business and was quite conservative in the use of his money.
3: My father, his whole life was very... um, um very cautious with money. Um, He spent most of his life um, working in real estates and cafes. Um, He always would buy and sell properties and improve every single um, deal that he made. Um, And that was how he ended up with his house completely, um, not owing anything. So it was definitely a character for my dad to make this want to make this investment but he'd also been on the pension for many years and um and really struggled living on just the small amount that the pension gave and was hoping that by the investment he would then be able to you know go on holidays with us and do different things that he wanted you know yeah buy a beer and and just live life um Yes. So but
1: it also shows how convincing these people can be doesn't it? It's it's oh, not absolutely. just... Absolutely. My,
3: my dad was very much groomed I believe over then potentially 12 months um, his his brother was um, a client first um, and he watched um, his brother's interactions um, with the scheme and, and yeah and it was solely through that that he was convinced that it would be a good investment and But absolutely, he was, yeah, he was groomed over that time frame. Um, I actually felt relief um, that he had pleaded guilty. And up until I heard that he pleaded guilty, I honestly still thought that he was um, um, unaware that he'd done anything wrong and and wasn't taking any form of accountability at all. So when I was told that he had pleaded guilty... um, I definitely felt a lot of relief and um, and I felt that um, hopefully some other people might be able to move forward and um, and also he might be able to move forward in taking some real accountability for what he had done and, and hopefully trying to look at why he'd done that and then move forward about how he could change his um, his choices in the future.
1: Michelle's father, Kevin, passed away in 2017. His involvement as a witness has greatly assisted ASIC's case against Bradley Silver. Here's one last word from Michelle.
3: For me, um, as it was, um, is ASIC's involvement in it. I believe that, um, given the time frame that it's taken for this guilty plea, I don't believe. Well, one, I know that my dad would have died before that. Yeah. Um, so. For me, the fact that he was able, he and other clients were able to um, have our sex involvement, and for them to be able to follow through, um, in my dad's case, secure that he could live in his home, that was a really big, a really big positive in the whole journey, and I think that it definitely helped my father die for well, one knowing that that he. It had been his house had been retained, and that um, he hadn't hadn't lost it. And if it hadn't have been for ASIC's involvement in all of that, um, because at that stage no one had been brought um, before the courts and been found guilty or pleaded guilty to any of the charges. So I'm very thankful for that. Um, yeah.
4: Without these sorts of people willing to relive what is a very traumatic event when you've lost all your money, all your life savings, particularly at a time where you're thinking you're going to retire and live a life. Um, It's very difficult for these people to come forward but the reality is if these people don't come forward and assist we don't have a case, we can't bring a case against these people and so we're always thankful that people are willing to, to take the time and to relive these traumatic experiences so that we're able to bring these sorts of offenders to justice.
1: This is Khan, ASIC's enforcement senior manager based in Brisbane. Khan and his team have been working on achieving an outcome in the Bradley Silver case for some time. One of the many reasons that ASIC took on the case is Silver's deliberate actions to target the elderly, convincing many to borrow against their homes, which in some cases was their only financial asset. The ASIC investigation meant working with witnesses across Australia and forensic accounting analysis to track down where the 4.7 million had gone.
4: The investigation was a complex investigation and it involved a number of parties, including David St Pierre, who was also charged by ASIC in 2017. And as a part of that investigation, we were required to review a large number of documents, over 21,000 documents. We took over 60 witness statements And then there was a financial aspect of the case as well, of course, in terms of looking at what happened to the money. And that involved a forensic accountant analysing over 150 bank accounts and 21,000 transactions throughout those bank accounts to determine exactly how the money had been spent and where the crimes had occurred.
1: You mentioned ASIC's case against notorious fraudster David St-Pierre. Can you tell us a little bit about him and how that's involved with this case?
4: Sure. So he was the branch manager of a bank at Pacific Fair and Bradley Silver would provide him false documents in order to get a number of people loans that they wouldn't have otherwise got and he knew they were false. And so his involvement was to process those loans and get people the money. And then, of course... That money was then uh, not applied in the exact way that Bradley Silver had represented to people that it would be applied.
1: There's some more information about David St. Pierre on our website. Search for 17025MR and you'll find out more information. Khan, why did ASIC pursue the case against Bradley Silver?
4: Well, this was a case where elderly and vulnerable consumers had been affected, and that effect was significant. And this was a person who had deliberately targeted those people uh, to borrow against their home, which is this uh, substantial financial asset, normally people's only substantial financial asset, and involved blatant acts of dishonesty and fraud. And so when ASIC sees that sort of conduct, which is uh, is deliberate, uh, ASIC, you know, it's steadfast in its resolve to bring those sorts of offenders to justice.
1: Thank you, Khan, for taking me through the case and the win for ASIC to see Bradley Silver behind bars. Special thank you to Mark Morley and Michelle Watson for bravely sharing their stories as witnesses in the case against Bradley Silver and taking us through their accounts for this podcast. More information on Bradley Silver and ASIC's case against David St. Pierre is available on the ASIC website. If you have any feedback for us on this podcast, send us a tweet to ASIC Media.